This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Future of the Business World, where we get to spend time with exceptional high school entrepreneurs. I'm Diana Drake with the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. At Wharton Global Youth, we design programs, competitions, and content that introduce students to all areas of business education while they're in high school. One of the things I love about our programs is how global they are. We meet students from all corners of the world and get to learn from their unique cultures and ideas. Today's guest is a great example of that macro perspective. Rylan Robb is a high school student from Mozambique, Africa, who joined us last summer for our Future of the Business World online course. It was there that Rylan's latest entrepreneurial venture known as Zenark was born. We're going to catch up today on its progress and so much more. Rylan, thanks for joining us on Future of the Business World. Thank you for having me. Entrepreneurship aside, you have had a fascinating journey in the past year. What have you been up to during the pandemic? Well, what a year 2020 was. And when I reflect on the past year, I can't help but think just how different everyone's experience was. You know, the world precedent changed, but so did everyone's life and therefore kind of everyone's life story. And my year started out pretty great. I, um, I had a school trip to the Netherlands at the end of January. Um, school was very calm, you know, in, in Mozambique in particular, things were quite calm with COVID. No one really was freaking out and um, that gave it a cooling atmosphere. Um, but towards the end of March, our school decided before any cases were in country to go ahead and start the transition to online learning, which was inevitable. And I remember being in science class when that email got sent out and the atmosphere within that class was very joyful, almost like we were being rewarded, but uh, little did I know that would be the last time for the next nine months that I saw any of my friends in person. And that was tough. About a week after school closed, I left on an embassy repatriation flight in the middle of the night, one suitcase back to Houston where I'd previously lived. Over the next months, I spent living out of suitcases, rental homes. It was quite tough. And finally in the summer, something that I had looked forward to for a very long time, I attended the Future of the Business World session one. And there I met a lot of great people. And I started Zenarc, which is something that till this day has given me something grounded, something constant that I've been able to work on. After the course, we had really worked on building it up and we started our, most of our, most of us, we started our 11th grade year of high school and being in the U.S. away from my school, my friends was tough. And due to time zones and other unchangeable forces, I ended up attending school from 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, virtually. So going to bed at 5 p.m getting up at 1.30 for class at 2 a.m. And that was kind of how my life went for a while. And some people may have felt sorry for me or thought my situation was bad, but the change in adaptation is ingrained in me. I've lived abroad, I've moved abroad, I've moved a lot, changed schools, changed friends. So when I come across something like that, I'm almost pre-programmed to do it. And I feel like it's not something to think down upon, you know, it's an opportunity uh, to challenge. And it's something that has benefited me my entire life. Going into 
November, we had finally learned that we were going to be able to return to Mozambique. And at the end of December, we finally did. And flying back into my home on December 31st, seeing the buildings, seeing the familiar sites and, and city landmarks was an unforgettable experience in my life. So your home, that's great. I want to go back to something you said, embassy repatriation. What, what is that? So while the COVID original fret and worry was going on, the uh, U.S. Embassy in Mozambique decided to offer a repatriation flight to uh, Americans in the country. And originally, we weren't supposed to be on that flight. We had actually booked uh, tickets um, out of Mozambique on our own. On, on a normal commercial flight. But as things started to rapidly progress, all the flights in and out of Mozambique were canceled. So the MC ended up having a flight that left at uh, 1 a.m. in the morning up to Madrid and then into Dulles. And that's where we ended up with one bag. And that was, that was all we had. You know, all of our stuff remained in Mozambique. My dad actually remained in Mozambique. So our family was even split up and that was that, you know, there was no option, you know, it's kind of, you have to adapt. That's the cards you're dealt and now you get to play. Very nice. A very entrepreneurial way of thinking, right? You have to be nimble and embrace any situation, um, but you're home now and you certainly don't sound tired, even though you've had quite a year and you were taking school in the middle of the night while you were in the U S but I'm interested to know because we're all kind of unable to travel right now. So take us to Mozambique for a second. What do you love about living there? Arriving in Maputo, which is um, the capital of Mozambique where I live, even flying in is, is such a cool experience. You see this, this mix of coast and city and um, depending which way you come in, safari. And it's, I get asked so many times to compare the U.S. to Mozambique and you just can't. It's completely different. It's apples to oranges. And really my favorite part about living here in Maputo is the atmosphere. It's almost like living on a forever vacation, as weird as that sounds, even though people go to school and work, it's not, it's not quite a vacation. But, you know, I can drive an hour and 30 minutes from my house and see giraffes and elephants. And that's still to this day, like one of the coolest things I can ever say. And just the calm atmosphere here, being a couple minutes from the beach, long sprawling roads around the coast. It's, it's always a, a grounding aspect and atmosphere. And sometimes I can get really hectic in my life, but just being here calms me down and it's something I'll always enjoy. Okay, on to business now. Tell us about Zenarc. This was launched, as we said, during our Future of the Business World online course. What is it all about? So Zenarc is a peer-based e-learning platform and we operate a full ecosystem and all of our instructors and staff are on a volunteer basis. And basically our aim is to strive to educate teens through free concentrated peer learning. And everything we have out there is completely free. Okay, so this concept of peer learning, why did you choose to focus on that model? Well, when I think of peer learning, all I see is great opportunity. You know, peer learning is the ability to learn something new from somebody you already know. And in turn, you'll be able to increase your skill set and turn around and teach them something which increases their skill set. And you'll be in a forever loop of increasing knowledge and understanding. And 
through Future of the Business World, I got that experience. You know, through the stock market challenge with Professor Wayne, I learned from my peers. And in turn, I'm able to teach my peers here those skills and concepts that I learned through my course and through my peers. And one of the biggest issues I see across the world today is one of education inequality. And I also see that predominantly in my home of Mozambique. And what I see particularly is a strong push to word for word, educate the population. But the metric they use is how many people are enrolled in a formal school. And although I think that's a good start, I think the real issue is getting the right knowledge into the right minds. In that sense, I think education is not equal. To those with opportunity to learn the specialized skill hold a much stronger place in the world than those that don't. Mm. And at Zenarc, that's something that we intend to improve. You know, we wanna be able to allow access to all levels of education to everybody. Very interesting. So it sounds like your global perspective really became part of this entrepreneurial idea and is helping to fuel it. One thing that fascinated me is that you are really a team of people working to create this. Can you talk a bit about your team and how you came together in the beginning? So fortunately, right at the beginning of the um, Wharton summer courses and in turn the, the online gym, which we all loved, um, I sent out a message in one of the discussion boards that talked about starting a Discord, which is a popular messaging um, application. And very quickly, we had 250 people on the Discord within the first two weeks. And through that, we were allowed to discuss outside of our course sessions. So a lot of the courses were broken up into sessions, and the communication between sessions was, was very limited. So by quickly thinking of how we can all network together, we were able to set up a framework that we were able to ideate with each other. And very quickly, a lot of us got together and said, oh, wow, we're learning all this great stuff. You know, this is really cool. But what can we do to further this understanding to more people? Yes, we, we were lucky to be here, but how can we go further? And through that, and through many hours of calling and discussion and ideas, we decided, whoa, hold on a minute. You know, we, we can do something here. And from that, we, we decided that we wanted to make an open, open platform, completely free, that allows people to share ideas, knowledge, perspectives, and stories with each other. So how many people were in your core Zenarc group? We originally started with 12 staff, then quickly grew to 13, and then finally 14. Interesting. And were members of your team located around the globe? So something I find really cool about uh, our network of volunteers is that it's quite diverse. And I think that adds to the perspective that we give and the approach we take on solving different issues. Uh, a majority of our current staff and volunteers are spread out across the US. Uh, we have one member in Europe and me in Africa. I wanna settle on this idea of kind of group entrepreneurship for a minute, because I think it's fascinating. People often think of being an entrepreneur as a really solo venture, one person having a Eureka idea, but innovation often happens in groups. Can you talk a bit about the process of innovation for your team and what have been some of the strengths of taking that team approach? One thing I love about group innovation is that it never stops. There's always a new idea, question or comment, and 
that allows us to always keep rounding the ball towards a more perfect sphere. And one thing that I learned from ideating and creating a group um, personally was from one of our other staff members who introduced me to the concept of a mean viable product. And I think this completely changed how we went about um, taking Zenark from an idea to a mock-up to a, a full-fledged project and a full-fledged working platform. And through this newly introduced to me concept, we were able to very quickly get something out there that we could show, that we could test, uh, which led our further development. And without working with the group, never would have happened. Can you define mean viable product for us? So mean viable product, and more specifically in our case, was getting the lowest acceptable production version of our product that we could out there. And by having that out there, we moved from just an idea to a creation. And when you move from the idea to the creation, that sometimes is the biggest step you're going to take. I think a lot of I, a lot of startup ideas or business ideas or project ideas, they get stuck either between idea and creation or in the process of creation. And I think the introduction through group uh, learning and group and group ideating was that, and we were able to get a workable production model out very quickly. Have there been any weaknesses to your team approach? So our team approach has always allowed us to be operational because we tend to have more people than tasks to do. However, the downside of this relaxed approach is uh, a lack of focus at some times. And due to the operational nature, that's, that's how it's unfortunately been. And we've lost some people along the way. As a leader, that has been the biggest challenge for me. Leading so many diverse people with diverse schedules, diverse commitments um, is a real challenge. And we started out with a great deal of passion and motivation, and we built our ideal system. And now moving into a state of operation, we want to continue um, the operational standard that keeps us running. It's been about six months or so since you initiated this idea. What progress have you guys made on the platform? And can you actually give us some examples of maybe existing courses or courses that are under development? And even if you've been able to recruit instructors for this peer-to-peer -peer learning. So in the past uh, six months or so is about our total project timeline right now. And within then we've gone from literally a concept discussed over a call to a fully functioning self-supporting system that functions the same as any other e-learning software suite. And as a group of high schoolers that spent less than $100 in self-funded money, that was a big feat for us. You know, we got something done that typically would have been either outsourced or a big budget item. And more specifically in the, in the past couple months here, as we look at the timeline, we've been focusing on refining the experience so that when someone starts engaging with our product, they stay engaged because customer acquisition is one thing, but customer engagement and continuing contribution to our platform is something that we really strive for. So right now, published for everyone on Zenark is a how-to course on how to create your own course. And if you would like to participate in the Zenar platform and create your own course, I highly recommend you check out that course. 
I have also created my own course on um, some introductory steps to investing, talking about just some basic uh, fundamentals, asset classes, accounts, and things like that. Creating this course on my own platform furthered my understanding of not only what I was teaching, but of how my system works. And I think that's something really important. You want to build something that you know you're going to use and that you enjoy using. And in, develop, in the development pipe right now, in terms of courses, uh, I know there's a course on Roth IRAs on the way that a couple of us are working on. Uh, there's also some business development story courses. And one that I'm actually really looking forward to, just because it's something I never would have pursued on my own, is uh, there's a course on the way on Japanese writing systems. And that's something that, again, you know, that's, that's a pure thing. That's something you would only want to learn from your friend. And that's, that's the environment we're working on. Um, so in total, we have 11 registered instructors at the moment and 53 registered students. Do you feel that there is a learning curve with the peer-to-peer learning approach in that learning from a peer is not like learning from a professor, right? And so um, people might be a little skeptical about the information that they're getting. How do you feel about that? I think that every type of learning and every type of content acquisition is gonna have its pros and cons. And certainly a con of peer-to-peer learning would be the, the depth and also the, the establishment of the knowledge that you're being taught from your peers. And I think that's worth the trade-off though, because the real advantages of the peer-to-peer learning is you're also gonna get stuff that's digestible. You're gonna be able to get things that you're going to be able to understand. And peer-to-peer learning isn't going to be a, an end-all to education. Education never ends. So if I'm able to teach one person about one thing and they're able to go take that one thing and understand the broader concept on their own time and then work into a broader concept, and then maybe they go on to teach a course on, on the broad concepts. And, and now, now a web of education has started where one thing that I said has turned into a a content journey for someone else. So I think, I think every, every means of education is going to have pros and cons, but I think what's unique to peer learning and what makes it so special is the engagement and the interest that is fostered after it's been obtained. At this point, do you consider your platform a real business? I think the term business can hold many meanings. You know, some schools are run as businesses, uh, governments sometimes operate as businesses, for us at Zenart, this platform has always been, in our eyes, a contribution to society. You know, a contribution to how we can we can further humanity. And by design, we chose to make it a nonprofit. Um, every goal is going to bring on different priorities, and that's our goal and our priorities that we've chosen. And I think that really shapes our path. And I think something that people get caught up on a lot is the notion of everything having to be the next big thing. Everything has to be the next big giant invention like Facebook, Google, even sliced bread. But for us, it's not about that. It's not about changing the world. But even if we help one person, for them, their world has changed. And I think that is what really drives us. Think back to the energy and the passion of your original group last summer and then where you are now. I'm curious, what has this journey revealed to you about entrepreneurship? What are some of your greatest lessons? 
So something that was was talked upon in the future of the business world course that I was like, yeah, you know, that's a cool concept. Um, it came to hit me right away as soon as you put it to practice. And that's, you have to pivot or perish. You know, you have to change or things won't work out. And that's, you know, like a fundamental law of life. And it something is bound to change. And what's going to really matter is how you adapt to that change. And we've had the change of, you know, we're all very different people with very different commitments and schedules. And that change as what is what's making us think towards the future. You know, we, we understand that things are not going to be the same. And by doing that, we were allowed, we were allowed to really think about deeply about our choices that we're making. You know, in the calls we discussed, well, should it be a, a purple or blue logo? But if we change that, other things are going to change. And we need to be prepared for those changes. We may have to change a media kit or a banner on the website. Uh, and now we need to redo this. And I may have accidentally deleted the entire database once. And I think by understanding that pivoting is going to have to happen, will set you up better in the long term, and you'll be more prepared when a fault, a failure, or a change does come along the way. Yeah, I mean, it sounds still very much a work in progress. And something that you're passionate about. Give us a snapshot of Zenark in another six months. Uh, where do you see it? What is your mission? Will you continue to offer free knowledge? So our commitment for the foreseeable future is to never charge a penny for anything we offer. That's That goes back to our main mission of, of being a contribution to society. And in the short term, we're excited to see new instructors join Zenark. You know, that, that's something that, that we enjoy seeing that we're really looking forward to. And you can visit our platform at zenarc.org. And even in the long term, we want to continue this project for forever. You know, it's something that we eventually want to pass the torch on to another group of kiddos that want to make the same contribution. And that's something that I think gives us a lot of hope in the long run is that we're putting in the work today to someday hand it on to someone else so that it can continue to help more people. Very good. I, I wish you luck with it. One question I like to ask on Future of the Business World is if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? I think I'm going to have to go with education inequality. I, I, know, I know I talked about it before, but I think it boils down into so many other issues in the world. You know, you see unemployment, you see uh, world hunger, you, you see a bunch of issues. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, it's it's because of their education. And we can put more people in classrooms. Like, that that's a, that's a plausible feat. But can we get those people in the classrooms to learn skills they want to learn and learn skills they're going to apply? We, we can we can employ more people through more trades that they'll enjoy and more trades that will provide a benefit to society. So I think if we can address that and we can address the, the gap in our current educational system and our education and educational means, I think we'll go a long way into solving many other world problems. Are you ready for our lightning round? I sure am. <laughs> okay, answer these questions as quickly as possible. A technology that blows your mind. Airdrop. It has to be airdrop. I use it almost every day and I still can't 
understand why I can transfer things so quickly. <laughs> Something about you that would surprise us. I was born in Caracas, Venezuela. Really? I was. What is your favorite company slogan? It's got to be the eat more chicken, Chick-fil-A slogan with the cow holding the sign. That, that, that gets me every time. Your favorite global business? Boeing, connecting the world. A subject you would really like to study that you haven't yet explored? Philosophy. Which business person would you most like to take to lunch? Kathy Wood of ARK Investments. Her perception of innovation is so enviable and her focus on the market disruption sets her apart, but it also allows the companies that she's supporting to really innovate and succeed. Great. Ryland, thank you so much for joining us on Future of the Business World. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at globalyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.